you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd Pastoral pictures of cottages and Thomas Kincaid. Kincaid. The Kincaid ones that have stormtroopers in them and stuff and, and at Atsons. I have one in the office. I'm pretty sure I have one in the office. Yeah. The painters of light. Those they're they're not they're not official by Kincaid, but but his studio is doing his ghost lives on uh, they're, they're, he's, do, he's done a line of DC like Justice League and Batman and stuff and you can look at it and you go that that street scene that looks vaguely like it should be in a pastoral meadow somewhere the glow and the lights and stuff and just go, yeah. well he had a he had a good studio training of, of the dabs of light yeah, I think that's a good intro. So I'm just gonna go. And once you get your headphones on, I'm gonna say, "Hey, this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting just a couple of days live, before Christmas. Live, 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 it's December 21st, and we are at one of my favorite places to hang out because no one, no one else does a linguisa corn dog. But uh, I gotta say, like you guys, you no, just no one else it. even does one. No one so. doesn't like you, but. No, no yeah. one does it. No, no, no one. It just is it's great. No, but seriously, because I love this place. Seven Stars Bar and Grill, and uh, uh, to my left, producing this all on the kind of the roadshow format. Oh yeah, this is uh, Roadshow Rick Brett Snyder. Oh, oh yeah, you've got it. Now it sounds like it's all alliteration. Roadshow Rick Brett Snyder. <laughs> and we have uh, special guests. The owners of Seven Stars Bar and Grill are going to be guesting, uh, guesting in tonight. Right? The co owners, right? Both of us. Aren't you? Isn't that right? At one time. You guys should just move a little bit over towards the microphone. That is true. It is not often. Uh, we've had Paul on before, but go ahead. Name, just in case people get confused. Get in cheek to cheek. Between which is which. Identify yourselves on. Mario Cunha. And I'm Paul Cunha. There we go. We've had Paul on many times. I think this is the first time we've actually had Maria on. Yes, So yes, I is. am thrilled. And Thank it, you. Because I know, look, I know, we're here because you said we can be here. <laughs> That's true. Not because Paul Paul's was like, <laughs> you guys can come any time. Yeah. But I'm like, no, 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 no. no. It's got to go past <laughs> the real owner, and that is Maria. So <laughs> I'm okay with that. No, I, I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> All right. So, safety host. <laughs> safety host. There we go. So, uh, of course, we are, uh, as we're podcasting here from the from here, we, which uh, – from Seven Stars, we are here occasionally, not as often as I wish I had time to do. But uh, and sometimes we'll we podcast from here. Yeah, that's true. That's true too. Uh, and so, of course, if you are listening tonight, and anything we talk about on the show uh, that uh, you would like to own for your very own self, by the time this is up, it's probably not in time for Christmas. But uh, but the Feast of Kings, my my aunt and uncle used to celebrate Little Christmas on January sixth, so there's still time. Uh, you mean right. Boxing Day. 
No, no, no. Oh, no. January 6th. When, no, January, the, wise guys, January when 6th. the wise guys show up. The, the wise oh, guys wise show guys. up. We were Italian right. family. <laughs> <laughs> Baltazar, they come in and they go, hey, where's the kid? Where's the kid? We got some myrrh. And then over there's Murray. All right, so anyway, uh, anything we talk about, uh, and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store because we do support ours. Uh, Hygienics Comics, Elusive Comics and Games. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of others. Earth 2. And the, the ones in L.A. Book, the ones in L.A. All the different places. Anyway, if you can't find it there, Barnes & Noble counts as a brick and, no- and mortal. But you can find it on the Amazon link on Fanboy Planet, so please go there. As well as if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can also use that address to donate money to help defray the cost of the podcast here at PayPal through editor at fanboyplanet.com. And we're doing an also a rare thing tonight. We are not sitting. This we're is one standing. of those standing podcasts. Yeah, I was going to ask if everything was okay. <laughs> no, no, we just felt that the you know maybe the energy would be a little different. <laughs> so a little, ab- little ab- outpatient surgery. It's nothing, <laughs> yeah, nothing serious. No, yeah. it's actually you know in voice training. You learn that you speak it's, and it's you pronounce better, a lot it's better. better to be standing. The diaphragm, the core. Now, granted, after a couple of the fantastic Seven Stars cocktails, it's harder to stand. But still, <laughs> well, lying flat on your back is a lot like standing. Not that far I don't know yet. where this is going. Head, uh, to another Han Solo or a Han Shots First, whatever. I can't remember what the titles are. What did I have the last time that I really liked? Was it the Kylo Ren? I think it might have been. Uh, so I've heard that you really like Kylo Ren. I do. Did you see him shirtless? Come on. Uh, no. That's anyway. Uh, before we start talking Star Wars, we do have, we promised on our last podcast, something that will tie in, I think, potentially to our main theme tonight, which was I promised one more interview from Stan Lee's L.A. Comic Con, and that is with, the, uh, with Jay Salvador, the artist of Super Emo Friends, of which there are many Star Wars-themed I went to that Super site. Emo, I know you did. Right after you, you told me about it. Have you seen Super Emo Friends? They're, they're, I love them. They're, they're, they're adorably cute, and but emo. I know I know they're, they're emo. They're sad. But uh, the way they're drawn, they're so cute. Yeah. They are adorable. So at, at L.A. Comic Con, uh, I finally, finally walked up to, to Jay Salvador and interviewed him. And so we have that now. A little conversation with, dang, he's a good artist, Jay Salvador of Super Emo Friends. Okay, here we are with Jay Salvador of Super Emo Friends at Stanley's L.A. Comic Con. And yes, okay, and so for people that, that uh, are not familiar, you are familiar. You've seen his work. Uh, these are these ridiculously, hilariously sad superhero pop culture figures that some I think... Some people laugh, some people cry. <laughs> and you touch us all. So what, let's, uh, this is actually take two. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to be honest about it. Uh, so what was your initial inspiration to become the Super Emo Friend creator? The, so the, the initial inspiration is just that as an artist, I wanted to have a emotional kind of uh, vibe in my work. And I'm not like a fine artist or anything like that, so I was always a character artist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was a character artist. I studied like character design and animation and things like that. So I'm more about drawing people and characters and really invoking emotions and things like that. So I started out with uh, like cereal box characters and mascots. I was doing really dark, moody paintings of them, all old and decrepit. And this is for my gallery life. 
but those weren't uh, commercial hits, I guess you can say. Maybe nobody wanted to really buy those things because they were so decrepit and scary. But then uh, one day I was depressed and I painted a sad, cute little Batman and just saying my parents are dead. And, and I, I, there was something funny and tragic and just kind of conflicting feelings about it. Like, oh, I feel so bad for him, I want to hug him. So then I was like, oh, you know, Spider-Man probably misses Uncle Ben and... Uh, Rogue, man, she just wants to cuddle, and poor Harley Quinn, you know, she, Joker doesn't really love her, like, all sorts of, like, these ideas started coming in where these these feelings that we feel as everyday people are, are really embodied in these pop culture characters in a way that everybody can kind of identify with, so I think that was the appeal, and I had no idea that these were going to be, you know, they're turning... Eight, eight years old this year and I had no idea I'd still be doing this it was just a little personal project to put into an art show but everybody wanted a copy so I had a friend tell me like you need to make prints of these you need to put them online and blah 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 and I'm like really really like somebody actually pushed me to do this like I, I didn't believe in, in the scale of this yeah. thing and that's interesting because what you just said about this is a little art show. Yeah. And in the art world, it kind of is, well, what's your next big thing? But right. eight years. Eight years ago. And you've been yeah. expanding because it was for superheroes. And yeah. then it's gone out to these others. Yeah. And so after the superhero, I got like a cease and desist from Marvel. I was afraid, you know, Warner was going to come after me. So I was like, let's go with Star Wars. Let's go with video games. Let's go with Street Fighter. It's like all sorts of like just anything that I could really. And, you know, my favorite movies and TV shows so uh, any character was game so I started shelling those out and it, the hits just kept coming and one after the other and uh, then somebody convinced me to, to share a table with them at Comic Con and boom then I was like what is happening so I ended up deciding that maybe I should quit my day job and put all my energy into this and see what happens and, so, and that's worked. You, I mean, and you got to put your day That was four years ago. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. Yeah. And you've gone into like, I'm seeing t shirts, I'm seeing uh, the little crate. figures. So you're almost becoming like the anti precious moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> precious moments was a big uh, inspiration for me, actually. When, when I was a kid, my mom collected a few of those, and I was like, these are really cool. I, I really like the, the cute look of these. And then Japanese kawaii was, I mean, like I, like I said, these started like just as the upswing of the kawaii big-headed thing. Back then, Marvel and DC didn't want their their characters distorted with big heads and little bodies. Not until like right when the emo friends came out, and then suddenly Funko came out, and suddenly everybody's doing chibi kawaii. But this is the emo friends were part of that whole like thread of everybody going big. So you were the right place at the right time. Exactly. But you yeah. do have another art life. Is it? You think, are, are there still gallery work going? I, I used to do more gallery work, um, but it's kind of a struggle with splitting your your time between and, and your profits with galleries and and also you know original paintings. I mean, most people don't actually buy the original paintings of these. They just want a print of them. So I decided, well, the best place for me is at the comic convention. So I started doing the cons, and, yeah, I get to keep the profits and just enjoy the fruits of labor and all that kind of goodness. So. And that's cool. We can find you on the convention circuit online as well. Yeah, just Super Emo Friends. Uh, my Instagram is more active with what I'm doing and where I'm at. 
my my website is more of just the portfolio gallery of, of what's and if, if people aren't making it a convention but they are in LA I know that Earth 2 carries Earth a selection two, of your work a huge patron of, my, of the emo friends yeah, they've yes. been carrying them for about four years themselves like and it's a miracle every time they order more I'm like is this still happening <laughs> <laughs> It is. I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you, Jay, for yeah, giving time to talk. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. Very excited. Yeah. Good luck. Thanks so much. Yeah, I hear laughter. Thank you, Jay, for your for your time. And, and you know, I, go to I, I want a Funko-style James Bond that when you squeeze him, it says, this is stirred. But you know, you know that he's got, there are figures coming. Yeah. Yeah, so it's there. So, superemofriends.com, you can find there. So, let's go to the real top story of the week. Sure, we're on the brink of war, but there's Star Wars. And there's all kinds of things going on. It's in a civil country. war, too. Nothing is as important this week as the opening of Justice League. No, that no, was weeks oh, ago. No, that, okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Take two. <laughs> no, there's a movie that's actually surpassed, surprisingly, Justice League's box office take in one week after one month of the Justice League being open. I think wow. it beat it in the first 15 minutes. No, <laughs> no, no. It, no? It, it took a little while. It took a couple days. Two days. Uh, and two. that was, of course, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, now, the okay. last time we were in here, I'm looking at Paul, who, by the way, is wearing a scum and villainy cantina. Way to cross-promote. That's great. They're that bar in L.A. Oh, great bar. Great place. They were initially a pop-up club. Now, they're... I guess year-round opening yep. that I love that it is. I still haven't gone to that Beetlejuice one that they that they opened up. I'm hoping that doesn't go away. But anyway, we are here. The last time we were in here, you had an upcoming event. You'd gotten a party bus. You were selling tickets to the to one of the first screenings. Yeah, to the movie it was great. It was great. We ended up we sold out 219 seats. 219 seats, wow. and we had. Uh, uh, as it turns out, we ended up having three party buses, the grand total of... Uh, 90 people. About 90 people, yeah. So it's the biggest we've ever gone. It's the biggest theater we've ever had. It's the most party buses we've ever had. Um, very stressful getting ready for it. Um, but once we were there and everyone got on a bus and no one was lost, um, very exciting to be in such a big theater with everyone we knew. We made little buttons that said seven stars, private screening, and... Definitely a really exciting environment to be in um, as it was getting ready to kick off. We had some costumes, just a lot of excitement. There was some fun to that. It was super exciting for us. Uh, I actually, I made a point to, to stand up. I got everybody's attention. Um, in a nutshell, I, everybody who was there, they were going to see the movie anyways. They're, we're all going to sure, see it. But, of course. Uh, I thank them. It made us feel really good because they chose to come see it with us. So it, it just it felt that much more special. Um, for Mari and I, uh, because they wanted to join us, they wanted to hang out with us and and see the movie. Excellent, but now I shouldn't say but now <laughs> and now you saw the movie, yes. and it is a, and it is a to me almost amusingly controversial how divisive this has become. Forgetting, of course, that people were divided by Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking back to, of course, how just a few months ago, remember those halcyon days when we were all divided by Star Trek Discovery? <laughs> and, and, and now, forget what's going on in Capitol Hill. Good Lord, Star Wars. There's petitions. <laughs> oh, my God. Just to remove this from the canon. From canon and have them reshoot. Now, if you wanted to petition to remove the holiday special, fair enough. <laughs> 
I'm with you. Understood. Yeah. Sacrilege. Yeah. Sacrilege. No. Yeah, you just celebrate Life Day your way. I should celebrate it my way. No one's bothered with the Ewok adventures. Come on. Nope, okay. Nope. So yeah. Yeah. All right. So anyway, get to that. Your take. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> first. I, I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow Maria. Because you both now, Maria, have you gotten to see it a second time? Yes, yes. we both went back again. So that night. This is what they're counting on us. We're gonna hate watch this movie yes. into eternity, over and over. And I did. I loved Rogue One. I did. Um, I didn't love this. I went back a second time. I listened to a lot of. I read a lot of articles. You guys did an article on it. There was yes. a lot of articles out there. I read them so that I knew what I was looking for and trying to give it another go. But the biggest, there's two big problems I have with it. It's a lack of continuity from episode seven to eight. Like, there's no doubt that it's completely different people with a totally different approach. The way things were set up and then dropped. The filmmakers. Um, what was that? The filmmakers. The filmmakers, the filmmakers. Right. yeah. I, I, one thing with four, five, and six, it felt very, and, and maybe, it, well, I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> I do have some family history with it, but I mean, maybe there were changes and stuff, but it felt very like those stories went together and they were giving you steps and this felt like they set something up in seven and they knocked it all down and it was like playing with a toddler um and then the other thing is for me kylo ren the character development like i don't that's the toddler i don't buy it i don't buy his conflict i don't buy his struggle i don't care i really just don't care and i and i didn't feel that way and not afraid of him with vader the conflict finding out that was his son like you could see why things happen this just seems like he, he kills Han Solo face to face, but he can't kill his mother from miles away in a different ship and he can't even see her. But then he can kill the guy who he's been following and leading, leading him. And it just, it doesn't, it's not like twists and turns and it's just nonsensical. And so those are my two big problems that even with a rewatch didn't get fixed. You've never raised a teenager, have you? What was that? You've oh, never she, ra- no, she has. Don't you have oh, to Seven really? stars is us and our five kids. So the oldest is 23, 19, 20, 12, 6. And seven. it doesn't make we've total only, sense to you? We've only met the 12 and 6-year-olds <laughs> at conventions. So, no, I mean, it's interesting. I, that actually, Kylo Ren works for me. But I'll blow your mind by saying this. No, I, I because I was totally into Star Wars. I was... I, I was wedgied a lot, and were uh, and they called the children called me Chewbacca socks in middle school. All right, so yes, I've confessed it, but wedge, now it's cool. Made something? <laughs> no, no, it's because I had socks with Chewbacca on them. Yeah, socks. Before that was totally cool, and you had to be wedged. Before you, I, I bought them at, at, at nobody got would have gotten that joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you had to buy them in Mervins, and now you get them at the high end, like you know, just, hot topics. They were giving me trouble because you bought, you shopped at Mervins. <laughs> well, no, that's not why. Everybody shopped at Mervins. Yeah, Mervins is cool. Kmart was not. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So anyway, the point is, I knew that 4, 5, and 6 was actually made up as they went along as well. That the original, I can remember, because I was obsessively reading Starlog, hey, shout out to Cardiangelo, and that the original plan was that nobody was related. They were all going to separate. George Lucas had worked out a trilogy in which Han, Luke, and Leia all separated, went away at the end, because there would be a price to their Star Wars. And then children loved it. <laughs> so you couldn't do that. So I, I totally see what you mean because I realized that I was just joking with, with Rick about how I could see Lawrence Kasdan shaking his fist. That was the writer of episode seven. Like when episode eight kind of like casually undid the things that, that he was going for. And, and literally over, right over uh, the shoulder. Yes, tossed over the shoulder. Right. He won't admit it, me. I don't know. But he was, when that happened in the theater, he was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I was like, shh. <laughs> 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 Everyone's looking. <laughs> uh, I might have I might have used some expletives for sure. You might have? I, I, no, I did. I did. Were I they did. in Portuguese? 
No, no, no. Okay, no, I'm just checking. No. Maybe I could learn a few <laughs> new ones. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I get the point. How about your your take then? I think you were a little warmer to it. I did. I was definitely. Uh, I, I I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not a movie guy. I didn't study film in, in college. I just I want to I want to be entertained for two and a half hours. Um, I enjoyed it. What ruined it for me, or what I didn't like about it, was all the build-up towards it and listening to so-and-so's fan theory and this person's got a theory. And but, you know, isn't that interesting? I, I think another reason I wanted to have you on is because you posted exactly what you get to the heart of it is it wasn't so much the film. It was the two years of everybody speculating about what meant and that built up almost as if our speculations were canon. So that that's that. I'm glad you read my post because that's exactly what I was thinking. I, I went in. Post, Paul. <laughs> I went into this um, while you're writing them. Wait, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> what over your shoulder? Expecting, I uh, expecting the fan theories to be true. Uh, ex- right. Waiting, right? For, You're waiting for which one is going to be true? Exactly. Yeah. One of them got to be true. I know it's everybody's been, or D. Huh? Everybody's been, had them. Um, <laughs> one of these is bound to be one, right. I, it's got to be. Um, I really, en- I, I enjoyed it, but I left a little confused, um, underwhelmed. I wasn't upset. I didn't hate the movie. I was just, I felt underwhelmed because I wanted to see Luke do what everybody thought he was going to do. Are we spoiler-free here? What, what are we doing? I think at this point, at this we point, can be spoiler We're, we're I, mild spoilers. I don't know what the time frame looks like. We, I, we won't talk about the cannibalism. It's been open. The I, expected, I expected Luke to do exactly what he did at the end of the movie, except actually be there to do it. <laughs> See, and it's interesting, because I, I wish I had written it down, and I'm hoping you will corroborate. I'm, I'm hoping that Drew Campbell will corroborate that I wanted to write a piece about a year ago in my speculation... And then I got busy. Um, that my bel- belief was that Luke had gone away because he had never really faced failure. Drew Campbell argued with me, and then this week in private message went, "Yeah, yeah, you know that that because I was calling him. That, that's why he hid because he was a kid. He had ne- he had always succeeded, and even when it, you know, constantly throughout his training, he ran away when he was told to do one thing. He would always do another." And that's another thing back to my canon because I was one of those poor people that read Splinter of the Mind's Eye, the sequel novel that it went. Have, have you ever read Splinter of the Mind's Eye? Still have Which was the script that, that George Lucas commissioned because he wasn't sure that he was going to get the budget to do what became Empire Strikes Back. Is that still canon? No. 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 It's that's a Star not. Wars legend. Legend. Okay. <laughs> legend. Which right. is, by the way, another great branding for another line of. Action figures. It wasn't even in continuity once another novel came out. That's true. Ah. That's true. It was the first first Star Wars novel to come out after the movies. Right, right. And nobody picked up any of the threads. In fact, they were pretty much avoided entirely. Well, that's because that's when Luke confessed his undying love for Leia. Yeah. (laughs) But this is... She was unconscious. So it was... But... Still, that was enough for us in seventh grade. We were shipping before that was cool. Uh, nice. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, is it, this is one of our biggest fights. When I was eight or when I was six years old, a family friend was working on, at that time, Return of the Jedi, but originally Revenge of the Jedi. So he actually gave us a shirt that says Revenge of the Jedi, which I gave to Paul on our wedding day. Oh, uh, and oh he, he more brought, valuable than a diamond ring. He brought prototypes of Jabba. They didn't know what Jabba was going to look like, and he was showing us. And in my mind's eye, and I granted I was six, I swear one of them looked just like Jar Jar Binks. But what he told us, my family, was that George Lucas had written all nine films, 
he was doing four, five, and six. Then he was doing one, two, and three. Then he was doing seven, eight, nine. And they were bolted away. So even if he died, the movie was set. The stories were set. That was. It's been one of our biggest arguments. And then when Disney bought Star Wars, a lot of people were. We already had the bar open. And they said, well, what do you think? Because some people were upset just at that point. Like, they're going to start messing with it. And, and Paul said one thing I'll never forget. More Star Wars is good Star Wars. So I feel like that's always this approach when we go to these movies. Like, it's another Star Wars movie, and I'm not here to critique it. I'm just enjoying another Star Wars movie. When Force Awakens came out, I said it's like Catholic Mass, which I think you have some experience. It, 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 it's, you go. You, the priest gives the homily. That's where the difference is. But as we say, the, uh, the Apostles' Creed, we, we chew the wafer. Uh, we watched the lightsaber swing, and you know that's what we expected. And this didn't give us that. It did, and then said, Haha, "But the, here are the one hundred. How many things did Luther jack on the church door?" Oh, that's what I thought yeah. it was. Like this is the Reformation happening right now. Uh, I, we, we, we saw it a second time, and I had had a few days to Drink. read everybody's oh. reactions. <laughs> what? Drink. drink, drink. Yeah, no, no. Oh well, green well. milk. A lot of drinking the first time, less drinking. This less time. drinking the second time. <laughs> was but it you, green? Do we have to change our menu? It was not green. What, that no, blue, that was it, meant to be disgusting. Yeah, I don't want to ever green. drink. I, I love your blue milk. It's fine. Uh, I, you know, I read, I read everybody's uh, uh, opinions, their reviews. I read what articles were posted, and and uh, that did two things for me. One, it made me realize. And I and I, I posted a, a, something else. The lime wedge. Read yes. my lime wedge post. Um, I like my limes wedged. I don't know. Yeah. I, I want to enjoy the movie. Uh, I don't. I, I I don't want to have to figure a movie out when I go see it. It's, it's I want to be entertained. You know, I, I don't want to have to figure something out. Um, so reading those posts, it it helped me understand what what the writer director what he was trying to convey. And once I understood that, I'm like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm all right with that. It makes sense. But we went and watched it the second time, and again, I just laid back. I enjoyed it. All honesty here, uh, I did doze off. <laughs> I think right around Canto Bite, because um, no matter how many times I see it, I'm not going to be a fan of Finn and his story in the movie. But anyways, um, I, I enjoyed it much more the second time around, and um I was able to notice and find, uh, see a lot of things that I hadn't noticed before. So uh, that made it a little more interesting. For so, me. what parts of it did draw you, and what parts of it did you did you really feel like heart? They were there were times that you would go back for. Uh, you know, this time around, definitely more of uh, Kylo Ren, his scenes. Yeah, no helmet on. Snoke told him to take that ridiculous thing off, and and he took it off. It was you got a great see, line. See him act, see his face, his reactions. Uh, how he um, emoted, how it's just his motions yeah, when he came I, I, I get your point. Like, I go and I can't turn it off. You know, I can't turn off the thinking. It's not that I'm a, was a film student, studied a bit, but, you know, it's like, so I appreciated things. I like the meta commentary, but I totally get why yeah. people don't. Like, I thought, there's something really bold about setting Snoke's throne room as basically being a soundstage with a red curtain. Yeah. And at one point, it even rips. I was expecting Cal McLaughlin to come across. The- no, you know, no, no, because that's actually what um, Francis Ford Coppola had wanted to do with his Dracula. Uh-huh. That it was all going to be on in front of curtains, and they were just going to have the costumes be 
the focus of everything. So to have a character who's all CG'd be in a room that is so, it's almost like we don't have the budget to make right. the set look good, so we just made it a re- I mean, I know that's not what happened. All the budget it, went into the jaw. But it, but it was just, to me, that was really yeah. fascinating. But again, as, as I called on the article, but there's a Hardware Wars reference that there's even to talk about, you know, Yoda says you can, you can leave it in the books, and that, that of no spoiler to say, Ray has saved the books, but that the tree that they call down the lightning on, there's a whole Marvel miniseries about the origin of that tree. And maybe we have gone too deep, is the, is the thing, is when Star Wars first came out, there wasn't that kind of fandom. But there's, there's something covering everything. There's a whole convenient tie-in on Canto Bite, if you're fascinated by Canto Bite. But I get what you're saying. Like with, you're talking with, about the, the yeah, novel, the, the, uh, the, yeah, there's a book the small it. story. Uh, no, no, there's a book on Canto, a Canto Bite. But it's, like four novellas. I just saw it. In right, the four novel. novellas. So, but wasn't you know, Bubba Fett the fans? Wasn't that two seconds on screen? Bubba Fett in the original trilogy. Wasn't that yeah. two Boba seconds? Fett, Bubba Fett was from the holiday special. Boba, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, where he talks nonstop. Uh, so he's the only reason the holiday but special is worth that's watching. That's where he comes from. Yeah, is that he was introduced as oh, an animated antagonist special. on the holiday special. Happy Life Day, Rick. So, <laughs> but there's also that is is I, I I do believe that what your family friend told you about all through all nine, but the reason Boba Fett dies at it so like offhandedly is Boba Fett was supposed to be the villain of seven eight nine. And George Lucas was tired by the time of Return of the Jedi. So he just killed him off, so he didn't. So and George has every interview he gives, he changes what it was. So that's a it has always been off the cuff. That's why Disney bought it and went, All this canon is now not canon because there was your pet there was your petulant child. There's like twenty you know, what, twenty years of books that it's like, "Ah." oh yeah. There were people giving what was the novel? Where Chewbacca got killed and oh. Timothy Zahn was given death threats. Yeah. Yeah. No. Because right. you killed Chewbacca. And we go like, a hundred years in the future. So <laughs> of a future that's already passed. They're already all dead. Also, they're all fictional. So <laughs> <laughs> But you bring it you bring up uh, that canon and I don't know what direction you're going here, but I don't know either. That I just was, that was so the, the frustrating for me because I've heard a, a lot of arguments about what Jedi can do, what Jedi can't do. I'm a big Jedi guy. I'm not. I'm not a bad guy fan. I'm not. You know, all, all that. I, I like him, but it's it's always been Jedi. It's o- always been no. Jedi. Um, so many. I, I've heard so many arguments uh, that could have been answered had that still all the all the books, the 20 years of books, still be still be canon. There's so many stories in now and. I honestly, I haven't read a book in years. <laughs> I, I, I watched the movie. I watched the miniseries. You keep America strong. You read comic books. That's what's important. Well, okay, well, okay, down to that level. Yeah, yes, for sure, for sure. But you just you started talking about uh, old canon, like that old old stories, and that's just that's a, another frustration I've had for a long time. Well, you know, but in terms of powers we've never seen before, it's no Superman pulling the S shield off and wrapping no. cellophane. Uh, on the Kryptonian village, but as I've read it, is that they is that each movie did, you know, if you just want to go with the movies, did increase what the abilities were. You saw simple because he had a simpler budget for what became a New Hope. Empire Strikes Back was the implication that Luke and Leia could communicate telepathically. 
Uh, so Snoke linking Rey and Kylo Ren was just another, you know, the, the Skywalkers were doing it instinctively. Yeah. Someone else was controlling it. Luke finally doing a projection? I don't know. I'm like, okay, just because we never saw it before. He's had 20 years away in this... What is the name of the island? Octu. 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 My favorite revelation this week is that the whole reason Porgs exist is because on that island, it's overrun with puffins. Yeah. And they found it cheaper to redesign the puffins as Porgs than to digitally paint them out. Digitally, yeah. So... (laughs) That's pretty funny. So them overrunning everything is pretty much what actually happened to the film set. And they're just as tasty. I don't know that. <laughs> is I there, felt bad. Is there is there butter on in Star Wars? Because that that pork chewy had it should was be blue. Gold, it should be gold, blue butter though. It was golden it? brown. I mean, I, I got hungry looking yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah. Chewy, chewy, chewy is a gourmet. They, we don't talk about now, what's that. The, what's the message there? It's like it's already dead. Yeah. We don't know that he didn't turn his back and eat it and we just cut away. Yeah. We don't. We don't. But we then don't. he felt guilty. Now, I, I, I had to debate this with, with other friends, too, is I think one of the things I liked about the message that that I think that one, two, three kind of lost in it is every life is... It's, I'm going to reference Captain Victory in the Galaxy Rangers. Oh, my. How they were characters, which I'm sure Ryan Johnson read that comic. Of course. That all the heroes wore a, a microbe? Uh, there was a little, like, si- single-cell organism on their belt buckles to remind them that all life was sacred, which was stupid because every issue ended with them getting blown up and cloned, so the life forms kept dying. The idea that they might not have showered that day would be yes, inclusive but, of a microbe being on there somewhere. But, you know, I think, like, the Borgs and the... I, I like also the thought of the, the caretakers being irritated by Ray. Jedi learning how to be Jedi must be so irritating if you have no powers. You know, it's it's fascinating to me. So I, we could debate for like yeah, hours, know. but I love getting getting your viewpoint here because, of course, we you know we love special I, I, people. I, you want to come in, order a drink, and ask Paul and Maria and get into a debate. No, no, actually not. I love you guys. I love that you're here. We were at the school today at a potluck, and me and another mom, because everyone's asking me at the school, sure. what do you think? We start talking about it. He goes, <laughs> I'm going to first grade potluck, and I look at him, and he's like, I'm, I said, babe, no one is even talking to you. Like, <laughs> so so for those handle. listening to the podcast, what he actually did was make a weird monkey squeak noise. Uh, it, it's funny. I think even just while making dinner tonight, or just before, I told her, I said, I'm done. With I, I, I looked at her, I said, with you, I'll have a sm- small conversation. And you gave but, us... But that's I'm telling the last you. Last of your spleen. Love you guys. Love you guys. So, <laughs> wow. I, I will I will talk to you guys about it. It's uh, spleen is guys, a precious resource. You guys know resource. what you're talking about. You, you, I, you guys know what you're talking about. It's it's the random theories and, and yes. we it, should meet up at Scum and Villainy and throw down there. You know, just to no. You know, JC his <laughs> he is he's a movie guy as well, and his trivia his knowledge of Star Wars is ridiculous. Well, we should meet up so that we can actually. Can we can still meet me up there. I still like to meet up there. Introduce me to him because I've been there, reviewed. Yeah. You know, he post reposted, but there was no further contact, and I think that's a place that I should be hanging out in LA a little more. Often. If you're down there, God, def- definitely, definitely check it out. Have like a named cup on the wall or something. I, I don't know that I should have that, no? but uh, okay. you know, we'll see. So Pink we big. shall we shall let the the pot simmer down a little <laughs> and we'll move on to other news of the week shall we we, we got, should awesome we got awesome. some comics news there was uh, 
major purge at Marvel announced this week of cancellations of books. Tell me more. Uh, they have canceled all in one fell swoop. I, li- I-, I wanted to have this headline. Marvel canceled America. I'm not too surprised, really. No, uh, okay, but yeah. Uh, they canceled America. That's a book called America, not the actual country. Uh, America, Generation X, Gwenpool, Iceman, Luke Cage, and Hawkeye. I'm surprised at Luke Cage and Gwenpool. No, I don't think they're selling, and that's the thing. Is, is there's a I'm, lot of I'm, I'm just surprised. A lot of people I, uh, complaining, saying, "Oh, you know that that they're." They're canceling books that represent diversity. Yeah. Which, on the one hand, I go, yeah, that is bad. On the other hand, as I've noted from talking to comic book store owners, nobody's buying them. But they haven't. They didn't cancel Defenders, which is also a Luke Cage book. And they and you want to say they didn't cancel Miles Morales, Spider Man. Right. They didn't cancel Ms. Marvel. Right. And those are still selling. Well, I'm sure they didn't go after the diversity books. They probably just went on the basis of sales. The other thing is like. those other books are books that sell very well in trade, but, too. you know, you see a lot of... I mean, what it tells you is that cosplay is not an indicative of sales. No, and David Walker posted, Netflix popularity does not translate into... You know, he's writing a great Luke Cage book, and yeah. everybody loves the show, Luke yeah. Cage, yeah. and nobody's buying the book. Yeah. So, it's kind of an interesting... I'm distracted well, by a Netflix menu because The Babysitter, I, by the way, we talked about was a great movie. This, this, <laughs> this week I, I spent more money in one week of comics than I have in a long time. So the idea that some books that I buy are not going to be made anymore is not necessarily tragic yeah, to me. I'm cutting down a little bit. Yeah. You know, but yeah, so it is interesting. Here's news that I think you will find very sad. Uh, yes. Actually, but also shows how our culture has shifted. The Hollywood Reporter reported yesterday that Jim Starlin has quit Marvel after finishing the first of a trilogy of graphic novels about Thanos, the Infinity Twins. Hence my confusion, making fun of all the titles because there's an Infinity Countdown to tie in with Infinity Wars, all spinning off of Infinity Gauntlet. They didn't give a reason, right? Oh, he did give a reason. Oh, he did. What what was his reason? Which is that uh, Marvel Editor-in-Chief Tom Brevoort approved an almost identical plot in the ongoing Thanos book, which is not written by Jim Starlin. Okay. And he said Tom Brevoort knew what his trilogy arc was of graphic novels. Okay. And that the way he, you know, the speed with which he works, the Thanos ongoing would tell the story before he could. You know, that's... I. I understand, and I'm not putting it past him that that would be a good reason to quit. However, I don't think I don't think bad editing is a good reason to quit a relationship with a company. No, he says uh, he's actually he's still happy with Marvel Studios. Yeah, he's just and yeah. apparently he's had a few falling out, uh, fallings out over the years. So he's still happy with Marvel Studios, happy with them. But and I'm trying to come up with this connection. So maybe you know. Is that he does say in terms of being compensated for his characters yeah. showing up in movies, he's made more money. Well, let me just throw this out there. What movie do you think he's made the most money off of? Guardians? No. Uh, and this is why I can't find the connection. Uh, return, uh, not uh, Age of, uh, Age of uh, You're thinking Ultron? Marvel. It's not Marvel. 
He's made the most money off of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out why. What did he contribute to that? Uh, boy, I'm, I'm stretching. Uh, it it might have been one of, the, uh, one of the secondary stories involving Doomsday, but uh, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe. I, yeah. I or, or a Luther thing. But it must be. I just don't know. I yeah. just don't know. So it's interesting. Or that one, uh, that one where Wonder Woman kill, kills, doesn't kill Doomsday and Superman dies. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, was there a Wonder Woman thing that he, that Starlin did? Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe. I, maybe. It's, maybe it's like the weird. That something about the weird got picked oh God, up. Maybe really? I don't know. But um, anyway, uh, so there's that. What I thought was just interesting was that I didn't pick that up in comic book resources or Breeding Cool or anything else, but in the Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter. Reporter. Yeah. And that's. Could you imagine? 20 years ago, that the Hollywood Reporter is the one to breaking news, Jim Dude. Starlin, and most people are going, who? More people know about us than they know about that woman who wrote uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and that, that other story that Harper she just... Lee. That the story uh, that she wrote that, Watchmen. That, annoyed, uh, that annoyed everybody. Well, I, I, I got... It's, it's a different podcast. I've got opinions on that. I know. Um, and someday we'll do the, the completely non-fanboy planet, uh, <laughs> the high literature... Uh, or Only if I can talk about Sun Also Rises, too. That's fine. Okay. Isn't it pretty to think so? Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the comics of the week. What's in the bag, Rick? What's in oh, your my. bag this week? Well, my bag's all the way over here. Hang on. I'm, and they're out of the bag. That's the, the thing. Bag. They're in their own bags. Oh, no, they're over here. Oh. Too many stacks of comics on the floor. Can you figure it out? This is exactly what Debbie says when we record at your house, too. Indeed it is. That's what she says when we go to bed at night. I know. So. It's um, awkward. Sorry you had to walk in on that. I almost (laughs) didn't buy this book. And then I opened it up. And have you heard about this? I meant to get that. This is the X-Men Grand Design by Ed Piscor. The one X-Men book in the last year that I was willing to buy, that I was looking forward to, now, and totally read. Now, let's, let's, let's do a little history. Piscor wrote a book called, oh, God, I, I had the title. It's a, it's a, a weird title. The, the, the Tree of Life of the, of the Hip-Hop Art. It's a, it's a story about the, all the connections in, in early hip-hop. Yes, he did a graphic novel. And he did a graphic novel about it, and it's, it's crazy, wild, interesting stuff. This book is a, for one of two, although... In, in reading about this, I read everything. It's like it's a six book series. It's like you know, it's, like, it's two two books. In two books, he's going to go over thirty years of X Men history and make it all make sense in line, in continuity, in and it's. I, I've read this one all the way and through. If he does, he is the only writer in Marvel history to successfully do that. A guy who doesn't write typically for Marvel, right? Right. But just just went and did all the Marvel stuff. But did you look inside? Did you look at no, the no? Because I didn't pick it up. So I, look at look at that. Look at the look at the pages. They look like newsprint. They look or maybe like it's the lighting. Hold on, hold on. I've got a flashlight right here because we're in. We're I knew it was dark. There it is. Oh, so, there it is. We've got flashlights. Look at that. Oh, it it's looks... all like it's it's all like it's it's faded from your your uncle's comic book co- collection you found in the attic. Um, and or mine when I was five. His style is amazing. Later. His style is just so. Um, I think he's doing more, like Avengers, and I think he I hope so. Fantastic I hope so. Um, but this can we say Fantastic Four legally again? Oh yeah, we can. Yeah, okay. we, 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 Disney owns them again. It's fine. Uh, if I had four books to go over tonight, we would. Um, so uh, this is this is a six dollar book, but it is no. It That's is, why I passed it up. There there are no. Ads in this, except in the front and the back, nothing, nothing to break it up in the middle, and 
there's an amazing uh, Sigma Cum Laude uh, with all the artists and, and creators of, of the books. And there there's after notes about where different storylines came from and different stories. But just an amazing adaptation of this is like 15 years, uh, half mm-hmm. of half of 30 of Marvel. And it, I mean, it's just like if you were to ask me about like is Legion in here? Yes. There's all the story about Legion here as much as you need to know to, to this is it, from anybody who wants to read the X-Men from here out, just buy these two books and you're ready to go. All right. Seriously. Maybe, I'll, maybe I will do that. Yeah. I will definitely be watching Legion. Have you watched Legion? Legion on is FX? awesome. We started, but uh, it, that, it was tough for us to stay with it. Oh, oh. Aubrey Plaza is so amazing. Yeah, but in she's that not scene. in the first couple of, I mean, she's in she the first is. couple of episodes, she is. but she's not amazing in it. Right, you know, she gets amazing near the end. It's yeah. a, it's. Uh, it was all over San Diego Comic Con last year. Yeah. So I was like, I got to get back on it. It wasn't that we disliked it. It just, it didn't make us. We couldn't. We weren't waiting for the next episode. You have it's to kind be. Of a binge. You have really, to be. In, yeah, we didn't. You definitely have to be then, in the yeah. right mood for it too, because it's, it feels like it's period, but it's not period, but it is period. And maybe, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Which reminds me, you guys are going to Comic Con, right? You got yeah. tickets. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we, we'll we'll do a recording. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna find you at a bar. The problem is they don't really have a good permanently comic book or sci-fi themed bar down there. No, they have bars that you know they put up a few cardboard cutouts, but nothing to the level of Seven Stars well, Bar and Grill. There's uh, <laughs> what is it, Betty Sue's or what's the what's the restaurant that always gets made Mary over James. Mary Jane's? We we should remember that. Yeah, but it's <laughs> always like the sci-fi bar. Go get but, it, but it wasn't this last year. Oh, it was no? just Mary Jane's. I oh. actually you know ate there again with no no theming. It's in the Hard Rock Hard Rock the Hotel. Hard Rock, Hotel. Hard Rock Hotel. Yeah, Mary oh, Jane's okay. is their restaurant. Sci-fi usually buys it out. Yeah, and, and does, they did for the. Uh, the, the Expanse, and what was before that? They did uh, uh, Riverworld. No, 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 it's no. terrible. Uh, <laughs> and they just made all the food crappy. Uh, yeah, so hurt anyway. me. All right, so my, on my, it's the first on mine. Uh, again, loving Legacy. I realized this week though that the upside and downside of Legacy for Marvel is by giving a jumping on point. It's also a great point to drop books yes it is (laughs) so i dropped a couple but i but this one i'm sticking with because i just love the audacity of the idea and again if you've got kids this is a book that kids should love monsters unleashed perhaps a terrible title the actual character the actual hero is a young boy named whose superhero title is if anything it's on the nose well you know it's it's trademark thing kid kaiju a kid who when he draws giant monsters they he pulls them out of some unknown dimension and they fight for him and so it's you know i think there was actually an episode of ultraman that did that so it's uh but for some reason i i've been in and out of reading it is he he just coincidentally happens to draw a lot of classic marvel monsters from you know the monsters comics of the 50s so it's a fun book uh there's a new story does he draw groot from the 50s yes there was oh, wow. a, there was a Groot at one point. So issue number nine is Legacy, Learning Curve Part One, a perfect jumping on point for Monsters Unleashed. Fun book if you want to share comics with your kids. Cool. Uh, second book is uh, we're well into the Wildstorm, the Wildstorm, which is the retelling of the Wildstorm universe, which got 
incorporated into DC, kind of, and then not, and then yeah. kind of not. And now it's not. It's a Wildstorm universe, and it's um, we're up to issue 10. But is he using some DC characters, like in alternate Earth versions? Not that I've seen. Not so far. Uh, the the And the characters that we are seeing are significantly changed. Probably the closest one is Cole Cash. We're going to um, say Grifter was so Grifter is Grifter is still pretty much Grifter, uh, but everyone else is a little is significantly changed. We just got uh, this this issue was one of my favorites so far because we reintroduced um, what well, we've had. Jenny Sparks has been in a couple of the issues, but nobody's really told her. She doesn't know what she is. She doesn't know why she's 127 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got the Doctor, the the, the planetary Doctor, right. And we got Jack Harshmore, who is my favorite of the original series. The man who uh, Jack is... Haw- Jack Hawksmore? Hawks- Hawksmore. Hawksmore, yeah. Um, so they've introduced all the... Uh, so, uh, this, this issue in particular, they got a bunch of characters that I've been missing for quite a while into the Wildstorm. And I, if you have you looked at this, at the way the cover design? Yeah. So they've got all the numbers across I, I the like top. It. and it's a, it, I just they, decided that was going to be a trade for me. I bought the first two issues and then fell behind, so I just went, okay, I'm just going to... I'm, I'm, what I'm wondering is, are they going to stop at issue 24, two years and out on this book? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because they have... They're already spinning off titles from Right. It. They've, they've spun off one uh, Michael Cray... Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, who is also featured in this book? Um, but I'm 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 just enjoying this book as as its own. It's got everybody in it uh, from IO to the Weatherman. Uh, yeah, then excellent. So. Uh, I'm going to put up uh, Dark Knight's Metal Number Four because great book. Once again, I just appreciate the. It's almost like my Star Wars review. I just appreciate the bat guano insanity of what's going on. Even, you, you know, what I be- realized today, I'm not sure that I read number three and I don't care because they got me up to speed. It's so crazy and fun. And that's it. I just, I just love the scene where Dream tells them to get to, to this next step. They have to go forward with hope in their heart. And, and Batman just goes, you're going to have to go ahead without me because there's no, I'm Batman. There's no way yeah. I can do this. And... Superman brings him through to think of Damien and his other yeah. sons and how they're going to be and how they're going to be yeah. and and he finds it within him and it's like that's an amazing that's an amazing story story scene and, and just in general anything that brings Neil Gaiman approving Daniel oh. because he has to approve every usage yeah and it is a beautiful usage of that character but again i just think that they're even saying and uh mr terrific's traveling with the plastic egg it's like it's plastic man oh, no, just no. hatch him when, when, just hatch when, him. when green lantern says oh, just tell them i laid the egg they'll be very impressed about that because <laughs> they're on thanago and, and and seeing that there are characters like anamar sin that i remember from yes. the 70s yes. and going wow this is a book that's going to at least cover Everything I remembered, even if they're going to, it's not going to be the version that I remembered. But thanks for covering it. But what a mind blower it was to have have Dream explaining the Marvel universe from the beginning in like the, six the DC pages, universe. The D, DC universe. Well, <laughs> that would have been great. I got the was, one with the alternate cover. No, I was lo- I was loving it. Yeah, go on. He explained the Marvel universe, and nobody knew. 
No, just explaining the DC universe from the standpoint of the monitor, anti-monitor, and then this forge right. no, 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 concept. I totally, and, oh. Because basically, he said, yeah, those six pages explain the justification of the scene. Because every yes. one of these giant crossovers has to have a new definition of the DC cosmology. Right, right. And that was it. And so, But this one incorporates the previous ones. Yes, and that, and that's fine. I, yeah. I, Instead so, of invalidating. So I would say... How I've said, I, I don't know how I really feel about this. This was the issue where I just went, I have to give up. I have yeah. to give into it. This is... I am enjoying it after I all. I am. All right. All right. I enjoy it. All right. Go ahead. Next on your list. My last one is a one-shot. It's Hellboy. <gasps> I missed it! Krampus Knocked. Ah, which I love is, all uh, things Krampus. It's, it's Mike Magnolia and Adam Hughes. And it's, it's a Hellboy story with uh, Krampus in it. And it's... It's it's pretty much amazing from the I'm first so page. I'm so irritated because even Brian Michael Bendis like tweeted out to Adam Hughes, you know, it's beautiful work, and I was like, what? Adam Hughes drew a Hellboy story oh, yeah. in his Krampus, and then totally. Okay. And you've got this kind of you got on the cover. You've got this kind of ghostly woman who's unexplained. Clearly, next guiding, week I have to guiding, uh, go into uh, the last yeah. week's comics and see what I can this, pick this, up. This this is definitely this is this is the first comic Christmas story i've read this year and i probably will not it will not be surpassed if anybody even else comes have up you picked one. up the latest issue of klaus no no they, i'm sorry i as much as i love mike mignola and as much as i love adam hughes grant morrison writing santa claus superhero is okay the greatest thing ever but that was a couple weeks ago, so I didn't recommend it. Okay. Uh, but now I've, I see how I snuck that one in. I see. Uh, so I'm going to recommend this odd little book, which is actually in issue four from Aftershock Comics, Dark Ark by Cullen Bunn and Wong Doe. So I don't think I did recommend the first issue before. No. I and I think there's two more issues and it'll be a trade. This is the story of... So was it Shel Silverstein who wrote the song about the unicorns in the flood? What happened to the unicorns? Like they played. I know, I know there was a song, and I and I want to say that it was him, that it was Shel Silverstein. But this is okay. So we know the story of the flood. Noah, right? We know Noah. And of course, you do wonder what happened to the unicorns. There's a dark arc of all the supernatural creatures that Satan set aside. Nice. And so there's a sorcerer who is tasked with saving all the unnatural creatures. Jehovah's saving the natural ones. Noah's there. And this is, of course, monsters stuck on an ark for 40 days and 40 nights. They probably get along just fine. Oh, it's sure. Uh, And so... It's a, I, I, I just picked it up because I was reading. Okay, uh, who unblindfolded the cockatrice? I was, I was, uh, I was reading Cullen Bunn's Harrow County from Dark Horse, and I thought he's an interesting horror writer. And this is one of those. That's kind of a cool idea. I can't believe nobody's done it. So I want to see what he does. And I kind of got hooked. I'm not the hugest fan of Wando's art. It's good. It just doesn't. Is this original idea, or is this a is this, this like is one of those idea. mythologies that, that no? Because no. he's creating a whole line of 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 supernatural creatures too that okay. I've never enco- encountered. And, and the interpretations by Wando are really fascinating. And there's a whole thing with as you as you're guessing, right? So like the vampires have a whole thing. By issue three, there's a thing about the vampires that I I was kicking myself going, Well, of course this is what would happen. 
And I can't believe I didn't think of it, and it turns this great twist for issue three. So uh, I highly recommend Dark Ark, not for kids, but it's a good, it's a really interesting book that's, you know, with if you like monsters, Monsters Unleashed, monster book for children that Dark. they can read. Dark, Dark Ark, monster book children should not read. So unless, you know, they've already given up hope. Uh, anyway, go ahead. So... I think that's our three. I, I did is. say that because this is the last podcast of 2017, I'm sorry that I I totally forgot. I just assumed you had it because we talked about it on the podcast last week uh, that you would remember it. So I will just get – we've done books of the week. I want to go for three books of the year, and I know you're going to at least chime in on one. Okay. I know you will. Yeah. Which is the first, and which I think technically is 2016, but I've seen it make several, several best of 2017 lists. So I'm going to go with it too. Which is my favorite thing is monsters. I sense a theme tonight, but it's a different way around it. Uh, and I've I've recommended it twice on the podcast before, but now I get to recommend it a third time. Seeing how you've got it laid out here, I can totally contribute. To okay, and I said, you know, I, I want to give it to people, so I am actually giving it to my daughter for Christmas because I think she's going to love this book. And to recap for Paul, though I know you listen to the podcast regularly. <laughs> It is a book written, uh, done as colored pencils in a child's notebook and from a perspective of a 10-year-old girl who watches creature features and loves, they don't call it Famous Monsters of Filmland, and she creates her own versions of the magazines, but it's a combination of social drama, civil rights movement in Chicago in the 60s, with her coming to terms with her own gender identity which she is translating as she wants to be a wolf girl she wants to be a werewolf and so she always draws herself that way then there's a murder in her building and then it becomes a drama about the holocaust and the weimar republic and it's history and art history and so much thrown in together it is such a thick dense magnificent book by a by an artist who never just liked comics she'd never done them before she's in her 60s so it's partially autobiographical as well. It's just an amazing book. And it's only part one. So I'm really, I was like, hey, you got to the end and went, what? It's a cliffhanger? No! Because <laughs> it's so thick. Too. It's a, just a huge book and beautiful. So I'm so happy that Boom Studios has been re, re-releasing, re-releasing all of the black and white Marvel Planet of the Apes stories. They just came out with the second volume. And it's even better than the first. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the third because I know some of the stories that are going to show up in that. But these are these are amazingly uh, accessible stories for anybody who knows any of the Planet of the Apes stories. And they they expand on and advance storylines that you might not have uh, might not have thought of anyway. In Volume Two, they actually go back and uh, it includes uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes as the adaptation. Oh, uh, which okay. so it's kind of weird. In the middle of the book, the Earth gets blown up. Spoiler alert! Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think after forty years, that's fair. Yeah, that's but, fair. But then we get into one of their longer arcs with a brand new character, and uh, love it. And these are really—I can't remember the the price, but they're not—they are not expensive. All right, my next one is also an inexpensive trade paperback. Four issues of Spencer and Locke. I've been thinking because I've been getting a lot of. Of press releases from Action Lab Comics, and I think that's a publisher that is really 
like Aftershock Press on Dark Ark, growing amazingly and a publisher to watch that um, Action Lab put out this book, Spencer and Locke, by D- and it is basically if Calvin and Hobbes lived in Sin City. Okay. And they grew up yeah. to work for the police. Of course. So Calvin, or Spencer, is a, is a crack detective, and he's still guided by his imaginary friend, who is this tough, noir version of, I think they make him a panther in this, so as not to arouse any yeah. suspicion. Yeah, you could you know, but confuse people. it turns Calvin and Hobbes on its head, and it's another one that's not for everybody, but it's so well done. And every every time I'm like, you can't touch... Oh, you got that. I forgot about that happening in the strip. That's a really dark take on it. And usually those kinds of things annoy me, but this did... It did not. It really... I just love it. So I think... And it is, it is being shopped around for a movie. So a production company has picked up the option. Uh, so I, I want... You know, I think it's everybody take a chance. I think it's like twelve bucks for the trade. Yeah, and it's a really good read. It's a really good book that to me came out of nowhere. Excellent. So, so um, I have to say that my biggest surprise is a continued surprise, really, because you remember when um, Batman had this son, Damien, who then there was a book that came out of it called Batman and Robin. And we, I only really started reading that. I had pretty much divested myself of Batman. I'd stopped mm-hmm. reading it entirely. And There's I stopped. an omnibus edition coming. I, well, I, I, undoubtedly. I, I, I started reading because Mick Gray was doing the inks on it, and he was doing lovely work, and it was a beautiful story, and it was engaging, and it got me totally back into Batman. And then all of a sudden, we found out that uh, the book was canceled, that Mick was moving on to Superman, and, and so yeah. uh, I didn't know if I was going to stick with Batman. I really felt like I was not going to be intrigued by Batman anymore. And I just realized earlier this week that it's one of my favorite books now. That that the the current storylines and attack on the character um, are bringing out ideas that have never been in any of the previous iterations, and uh, the storytelling's so if I were pretty to focus, flawless. If I were to focus on a trade paperback, say for somebody to pick up, would you say the War and Jokes and Riddles, which just came out? That was awesome. It's a little grim, but yeah, that's 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 probably or the detective one. side, which has had more of the Batman family. Now the feel. detective side is a different argument because I, 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 it's an interesting argument too because alone I've not been interested in any one of those characters. But somehow, all together, they work for me. So, mm-hmm. wasn't I read the first uh, twelve issues of Batwoman? Decided I could live without but it. But you know, as a kid, one of my favorite books was the Batman Family. Yeah, no, that was a different age. That was a different thing, right? Too. So, I'm saying something about detective, right? That feel that could appeal to a lot. I get what you're saying. But reading Batman, I would agree with you. Is I thought Grant Morrison said everything I wanted to have said about Batman, and I was done, and yeah. I was happy. Yeah. And then Scott Snyder came along, and I went, okay, I'll check it out. And then that was good. And now it's Tom King, I think, is the writer. I think so. And because I better know, because that's my next book, which is the Batman Annual Number 2. Uh, if I were to focus on everything else has been trade paperbacks, this has been still on the shelves in your local comic shop. Because I said on the podcast, you know, I think it's one of the best Batman stories I've ever read. And then I thought about it more, and I went... 
then I need to put it down here on the best of the year yeah. because I will still say as a favorite story, my favorite story is To Kill a Legend by Alan Brennert. But this Batman annual may be my second favorite Batman story of all time. And I found that very startling and then realized, yeah, we got to, you know, that's, as we're saying, it's covering the relationship, the marriage between Batman and Catwoman. And it is just beautifully written. And I guess maybe at my age now, having gone through so much superhero action, I treasure more and more the books that can take archetypes and characters that I think I know and show the humanity, especially as, well, Grant Morrison made Batman into super Batman, really. You know, yeah. the guy who could, and that goes back to his first JLA. Right. The guy who had an answer for Ans- everything. Everything's anticipated. He has a plan to handle it. But this is a story about how he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And yet still does by the end. And, it, you know, I cried. Beautiful I cried ending. reading it. Beautiful it's a beautiful ending. book. So I think if you go into a comic shop and buy one just comic this year or next year, you know, within before 2018, that's the one. Ask for Batman Annual number two. Yeah. Um, so the... Uh, I, I'm again. I'm, I'm going to talk about series from the uh, from the year. That's fine. And the uh, you, you always break my rules. Why well, didn't I never saw the rules written out? They're tattooed on your forehead. Okay, go ahead. I don't look in the mirror. I'm not vain. Um, <laughs> oh, they're backwards. They're <laughs> black. Uh, Can you take a look at? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they are for touching. Go ahead, Paul. Touch the comics. Touch I, them. I had to go wash my hands. <laughs> no fingerprints. You are using special tweezers, right? Okay. So I'm 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 really kind of split on this, but I'm just going to say all the Marvel books that are be- being done by the Alreds, because I couldn't decide between Forager. I, I pardon me, Marvel and yeah, all the books that are being written by by the Alreds, because I couldn't decide. It's five years before DC is Marvel. I know. Okay. I know. I know. Disney hasn't bought them yet. Shh, not yet. Um. I couldn't decide really between Forager and and uh, Silver Surfer because great books, both for, of them. For for and they both they both have indelibly the Alred stamp, which is a little wacky, um, definitely romanticized and definitely uh, heartfelt, um, but at the same time uh, breaking the fourth wall all over the place and. Uh, you know, it's, it's and the art style is significantly trademark Alred, but works in both cases specifically to that character. Looks so strange. Well, that's what I think I've always liked about Alred is that somehow there was a '60s vibe that made me feel like I was mm-hmm. reading Kirby, even though it looked nothing like Kirby. Yeah, but it could also look like Ditko. Could also look like Ramita, and. There's just something really fascinating about that. I do, you know, it's funny. I, I should have, we should have flipped so that I could say Batman last because my my first movie news is a, bat, a thing about Batman. Ben Affleck just gave an interview in which he wants to direct Batman again. So, did they get it? Did they look at? Did he have ID? Was it really him? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he did. Well, you know, I think 
I think is he's had some personal issues in the last year, and and he's come clean about that. And I don't want to get into it here because I don't know him. I don't know anything, but I can see where that has sort of the energy it must take one yeah. to stay in that shape, to deal with the machine that is no. I mean, really, to the, to deal with that machine. I I saw Brendan Fraser once say that about a George of the Jungle, like he said. Take a good look because these abs aren't going to last forever, you know. And, and I saw him at a WonderCon say that, and I thought, "Yep, that's pretty much true." You know, it's it's a lot of effort, and so the energy that it's got to and focus to be Batman and the responsibility for a guy who was dealing with other things in his life that you know it, it wasn't easy, but that he still wants to. That he's a big Batman fan. I don't know. So that's this week's update on, on Ben Affleck and the DC Universe. We shall see. All right. So the R-rated Quentin Tarantino Star Trek film has a screenwriter, Mark L. Mark I. Smith, who is the writer of The, the Revenant. So I think that was the, yes. uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio Oscar yes. film. Uh, and Vacancy. The Randy Bear. Oh, okay. I, I missed that movie, The Randy Bear. No, I, that's the whole thing about what the bear's doing. No, I know, I know. Uh, and Vacancy, I want to think that was the one with the hotel where they were, I don't know. I didn't do the research. I was just, well, I'm still having a difficult time. Talk about, uh, Mario walked up right as I was saying it. Talk about the controversy of people not liking what was done with Star Wars. I'm having a difficult time wrapping my head around Quentin Tarantino directing Star Trek. To me, that's a bigger... I don't know. Yeah, but just, what was the first... When you first heard Seth MacFarlane was doing something outside of his uh, comics, what did you think? I mean, it's like... We didn't know he was, like, Mr. Everyman at that time point. It was like... I'd seen Ted. No, no, that wasn't Ted. I saw Million Ways to Die in the West, and I was one of the three who did. And that he was clearly trying to reposition himself that way. Yeah. But I've also known that historically he was a huge Star Trek fan. Yeah. The Orville has turned out to be, in a very low-key way, one of my favorite shows. Yes. Even though I'm not even going to say, go out on a limb and say, The Orville is a great show. It's not really, but I'm enjoying it, and I'm glad it's, that it's renewed. It's a wonderful homage to the next generation of Star Trek. Which I didn't really watch the first time around either. So oh, I was. I know, I know. But let's say so twice a week. So Tarantino week. doing Star Trek is that's still different than Seth MacFarlane. And when they're saying they're going to make it an R-rated film, yes, that's what I think throws me off. I'm not sure that I. I it doesn't take much to make things R-rated these days. I think it does. I if you were. I think Deadpool had to get pegged to do it. You know that's it. <laughs> Once that was in there, and that's why my son can't watch that movie. Which, by the way, I think I, I, I referenced, I, I read an article last week on Fanboy Planet, but did not talk about it on the podcast that Bob Iger said, yeah, Deadpool's going to stay R. Yeah. And that they're going to create a whole line of, they say, as long as people know what they're getting into, yes. we can make Marvel movies that are rated R. But Excellent. if we see. The sequel to The Incredibles be rated R. Then I'll Punisher know should be wrong. Punisher should be an R-rated movie. It's an R-rated Netflix series. Does, well, it's does, not. You know. Does Netflix have ratings? No, not really. They have so any child can watch The Punisher, providing they have their parents' password or a lack of parental controls. Yeah. Oh, see, we're back to that. We got a parent. What? 
We've got to actively pay attention to our children. No, you have to restrict the rights of everyone else so that your kids can roam free. I, you know, my son did ask a very he. I had him on the kids profile, and he was, he was honest annoyed. enough, honest enough to stay on because there's nothing that would oh. keep him from at his mother's house accessing the profile that says Derek. Uh-huh. You know, it's just a nice thing to say, kids. But he kept on it, and then he said, "I really want to watch Tokyo Ghoul." Can I? No, that was Hulu. I had to set up Hulu right. so he could watch Tokyo Ghoul. But there was some anime he wanted to watch. He said, "Can I please?" So we create. I created a new profile for him that said, "Yes, go ahead and watch it." But I'm going to check, and if I see you're watching anything I think is inappropriate, this is all going so you away. Wouldn't, you wouldn't use yours because you could check on and see what you would watch, and would come out start showing up things that you hadn't watched, and you. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but but it was uh, I understood. Yeah. I said you need your own profile because I'm tired of Netflix recommending <laughs> yes, all this anime yes, yes, yes. that I will never ever watch. Exactly. I want. To, where's the Punisher? It disappeared from my queue. But I've got <laughs> what was the one he uh, oh, Sword Art Online, something like that. So oh yeah. Anyway, um, great series. Disney has also cast for their next big franchise. Uh, Kenneth Branagh is directing Artemis Fowl. Oh, so they nice. have uh, cast. Oh, are they still unknown. writing Artemis Fowl books? I don't think they need to. I think it's like Harry Potter. Now they just need to adapt them into film. Yeah. And they, yeah. they, they've cast an unknown actor named Ferdia Shaw. And it's scheduled for release in August 2019. So those are, those are cool books. And I believe they did graphic novels as well, adaptations. But you know, for those who prefer to adapt, you know, read them that way, I think there's. I, a, I don't remember right. seeing, but yeah. I, I think there's graphic novels of everything. We just don't see them because they don't show up in comics. Well, you're, you're back in Dreams uh, Library now, so. No, no. I think at one point someone sent me uh, some public. I think Scholastic did it. Oh, maybe okay. or or Disney Hyperion. I think it was Hyperion Press. Interesting. They've got a whole line of graphic novels they do not release to comic shops. Just like I had that Space Mountain graphic novel that is only sold to Disneyland. I've never huh. seen it anywhere else. Okay. So, and, and ah, so Mario just said, did not know that was there either. And it's done by great, great create comic book creators, but I've never showed up in a comic shop. All right, so I'm going to go with my, my top three. I'm going to actually start with two that I haven't seen so that I can say these, because when I say my favorite movies of the year, there are movies I still want to see that I haven't seen. And I'm going okay. to lead with an anime. Was okay. your name? Have you seen your name? No, I have not. About two children who body swap. Okay. Who constantly are switching identities between each other, and so they learn an empathy. Uh, it, it, I, I think it was the top anime in American release, and it's getting all kinds of awards. And I was just sort of like, "This is really fascinating." And of course, once I start realizing it's penetrated my consciousness. It's in that weird limbo where it's not on any streaming service, but it's not on any in any theaters either. So that's the one I really want to see. One that is on the streaming service. If you liked Mark Hamill in The Last Jedi. <laughs> sorry. I shouldn't Corvette say. Summer. In Corvette Summer. He'll always be Corvette Summer Hamill to me. Uh, or was it The Real McCoys? What? He had a... There was a TV show. But anyway... Uh, that he is also in a movie that I really, really wanted to see called Brigsby Bear that is now on Amazon. Not on Amazon Prime, but you can rent it on Amazon. And Mark Hamill plays a man who has kidnapped a child and raises him in the basement and creates a children's show for him and broadcasts every day Brigsby Bear. The kid, Kyle Mooney from Saturday Night Live, wrote it and stars... And he is rescued from his hostage situation 
with thinking Mark Hamill was his father, devastated to discover that the children's show that taught him right from wrong never existed. It was a show produced for just one. So he's going about to create one final episode of Brigsby Bear. Uh-huh. So I was intrigued by the Mark Hamill thing. Because one thing I will say out of this, and I, I, I'm, I'm getting a look, because of course this is an audio podcast. No one can see Mario's look. But I'm, I'm, no, I'm really glad to have you on. It is that one thing that I do like about The Last Jedi, regardless, is Hamill is showing acting chops that most people don't see. And if nothing else comes out of Star Wars, that's the silliest thing to say. <laughs> if nothing else comes out of this Star Wars Those revival, kids, uh. that Mark Hamill gets a real third act as a character actor and gets taken seriously as an actor. And so for people like Kyle Mooney to put him in a role where he's not necessarily likable, but it's an intriguing thing, I, I really want to see that. And there's another movie called Sushi Girl where he's a, a, a hitman and sound, it has sounded kind of... He was also in Kingsman, but you know there wasn't enough in there in that first... Yeah, Kingsman. But my top movies of the year, <clears throat> I'm going to go big. Wonder Woman, my fav- actual favorite superhero. I looked movie at your of third the year. one. I go, yeah, that's pretty big. Oh, the puns. You go back to your sci-fi community. Oh, I thought you were going. No, I was not. Uh, but I purposely named it because it's the smallest. I put this one as the, as the okay. for that reason. Wonder Woman being a movie that I think it, the impact is going to be felt. And if it, and if you're if Paul's going to mock Justice League. The DC Cinematic Universe is going to survive because of Gal Gadot and of of her performance in Wonder Woman. And it was so easy in this last month to forget about all those summer movies. Yeah. And there was some great great stuff. But Wonder Woman is the the one that it's like, I went back and saw that again. And it paid a couple times to see it. And it just, I don't think there's a scene that I don't like. I'll take it. Go for it. My second. Oh, I have. Oh, go. You do have some. So this is my confusion. Before I thought we were doing all this at once, and you're doing it by segment. So that's sure. Okay. So my first one is Get Out. I just the uh, the movie was that movie. I saw it. uh, I I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it when it came out on DVD. Um, That movie has stayed with me for the last six weeks. I, Another of the only movies this year I paid to see more than once. Yeah, uh, just just the idea that I, I continually am running scenes from that movie over and over my head, dialogue, uh, the implications of early scenes. I've only seen it once, so I know people. A lot of people said go see it a second time because then you're really going to open Welcome up to, to the coagula. Yeah, um, just an amazing film that twists and twists and twists. To the point where you're just you you going okay is there another one coming because I'm really still trying to recover from the first two, uh, and the thing that is finally going to get me to pay for CBS All Access yeah because, because you, yes. Jordan Peele doing doing yeah. the Twilight Zone because Get Out is so strong just an so amazing strong. first uh, it's his first film to direct right yes yeah just a, a, as a first time out the out the door this that's is just a amazing. year of amazing ground because here's the thing. Patty Jenkins, first female director to have that budget, 
which is like a crime to think about this woman who who was Oscar nominated for Monster, yeah, and then not allowed to direct a film for another ten years. She was directing TV, and then comes with that. And then Jordan Peele, there's that risk: black director, writer, director, yep, comedian, and turns out one of the most socially conscious, socially aware, and uh, you know is is nominated by the Golden Globes for a comedy, and he's like, what? You know, but I guess it has its funny moments. I've, I'll, I'll give that. My next movie is Coco because it was an amazing surprise to me. And now that it is not is not preceded by Olaf's Frozen Adventure, I'm sure I would enjoy it even more. No offense to Olaf and Olaf fans, but that was like taking a Tootsie Roll, ser- serving a Tootsie Roll <laughs> before the finest Swiss chocolate, because you get into Coco, and I don't. I'm sure people do know by now, but I went in actually not knowing who Coco was. And as soon as I got the revel, I I believed all the trailers. And as soon as the identification of who the movie is about came up, I started crying. And it kind of it would go away. It was like watching Big Fish. I cried like, oh, have you seen Coco yet? No, that's exactly why I don't want to go see it. Oh, because you'll cry. Cry. I I don't want to cry. You'll cry. It's beautiful. (laughs) It is beautiful. And I was so blown away. And I went to let yourself cry. Yes, come on, Paul. Let yourself cry. You're among friends. You're you're among friends here, Paul. Once a year. And now that you're let yourself cry. It's about something other than Ewoks. No. Yes. Roast a porg, and it'll be fine. Uh, it was just so surprisingly beautiful. And then, and I think on, on cultural impact, the reason they put Olaf's Frozen Adventure in front was they think, thought people wouldn't want to go see Coco. But that I could go into a movie theater and there are Spanish language screenings. You know, that it's, it's really... And I went to California Adventure and they'd taken the It's Tough to Be a Bug yeah. theater and they were showing a Coco preview there. And so I was like, oh, I just want to go down and see, you know, we've already seen it. But they had a beautiful, and I can't remember the name of the word for the altars, though for the Day of the Dead. Um, But they'd set up all the outside in the little waiting area with the rock stuff. They'd covered up almost all the Bugs Land. posters. the, The jokes. Yeah. And they'd set up altars with scenes from the movie and explaining what the significance of it was nice and i i, I choked up well, could have, because it's also i'm seeing all these families and these kids totally getting a taste and it's like this is the year i guess i would say where at least most of us are getting representation matters and it's yeah. all shifting and but what an amazing god what an amazing turnaround that was for disney though because it was Two, three years ago when they were first going to do this movie and the lawyers... Well, they trademarked Day of the Dead. They, and that the was lawyers the tried, to, tried to trademark <laughs> yeah. Day of the Dead. And they they were in the dumper as far as people's opinion yeah. of them for that. Yeah. And, to, and to, at this point, turn it around with... I have not seen the film, but with what is reportedly a, a cultural accuracy and sensitivity. And, uh, and, and it's just amazing. And, and almost all Latino cast. I will yeah. share with you after the podcast the one... Very funny thing to me personally about the cast, but okay. they're, they're all great, and it, it was just an amazing. I, that film blew me away. So, like, I just did not expect it to be. I thought eh, it'd be cute. I thought it was like the Book of Life, which I liked the Book of Life. Yeah, I thought it was that was a fun movie, and this makes the Book of Life look like Olaf's Frozen Adventure. So, but with better songs. So my my uh, my next one was 
um, everyone was was uh, has been gushing so much over Thor and what a turnaround Thor was from the previous Thor movies and what a great great you know beat yeah. Marvel is getting us. And I don't disagree with that, but I think the film that still did it better and had and and was this year was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, which. Um, just built on what had been established in, in volume one and then just took it another nine yards towards uh, insane fun. And and, and, and and Paul's walked away, so I can't make him cry. But the thing that I really like about what James Gunn has done with Guardians that Thor really doesn't do yeah. is he made a movie about broken people. Yes. And that both volumes if you call them that right are about mourning and about about sadness at their heart and like my favorite and establishing family my through. favorite my favorite moment in guardians of the galaxy because it, it it rang the most true was baby groot after at the funeral uh-huh saying you know i am groot and Rocket saying, yeah, he did call you that. Because that is what you do when you mourn. It's people is the children who say, like, well, he called me this. And, you know, you hold on to that weird memory. And the fact that we didn't understand what he said. Right. But that Rocket does is a reminder of that part of the family. But also, yeah, he did. It, was, it felt like I'm watching a raccoon and a tree I'm mourn a, a blue man. And that felt like the mo- one of the most human things I'd seen all right, year. Right, right, right. So. And, I mean, just the acting the acting on all parts, especially, um, and I'm blanking his name, uh, the, the the blue man. Um, Michael Rooker as Rooker, Yondu. Rooker. Yes. I kept on going back to uh, Walking Dead. But, um, Which, that's a weird remembrance that yeah. it's true, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so scary in almost everything else I've ever seen. So I, I think we have to remember that Thor got its varnish from the original uh, uh, the original work and uh, and not forget to pay it homage yeah, yeah. so yeah my my third is I'm gonna go small the other two were or big budget things but one of the movies that took me by surprise and the more I think about it I can't find flaws with it was colossal uh-huh. starring oh what's it Shakespeare's wife, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. I have to, why I have to mentally say that every time to remember her name. Anne Hathaway, uh, the movie that has the silly premise of her discovering uh, she's an alcoholic in a on an eastern seaboard small town, discovering that when she stands, it's almost like being John Malkovich, when she stands at a certain spot in a playground in her hometown causes a giant monster to appear in Korea that is linked to her. And that is a great description of the high concept of the commercial that should get you in to, to, to watch the movie, but that's not what the movie is about. It is about toxic masculinity. It is about dealing with your addictions and dealing with the mistakes of your past. It is... An, unexpectedly incredibly deep movie behind a very silly sounding premise and so one of my favorite movies of the year yeah and kind of a low budget yeah um and kind of written that way but but the and Hathaway, the special effects jason, are little... jason sudeikis and uh 
my man, unexpected man crush of the year, Dan Stevens, who was Legion, uh, and and the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. That's not why. I mean, yeah. No, he's, but he's so good. So uh, it was just suddenly like an actor that's popped up everywhere, and I'm going. I I I think I love Dan Stevens as an actor. There's something about him magnetic, even though I didn't like him in Night of the Museum three. So anyway, uh, Colossal. That's my last. Of the, I kept it to three, so we wouldn't be here all night. I'm just gonna skip the next one. I, I, all I right. didn't have anything. So then to let's go to TV because there's just not much. But I just want to call out a couple of things that we want to know about that our fans are gonna want. The X Files returning January third with season eleven. Yeah. The X Files, newly owned by Disney, I can hardly wait for them to exp- to investigate the haunted mansion. Uh, you know, I had I had that six issue, six episode miniseries on my DVR. I only watched two of them for, you know, for like well, may have been a year before I watched. I binged them all at once. Were they worth it? Oh, they were absolutely worth okay, it, and, and the, they were worth it in the way the the original series was in that. Each one of them was a different style of story. The last one I watched was the Lizard Man one. Yeah, which was great. Um, but uh, and it couldn't get better than that. There, so one of the better ones were was the, a crossover between Mulder and Scully, and they're kind of like paired up with another FBI agents from other town, another town or district or something, and they're they're counterpoint points to each other, and they team up. Cross, and it just I, I would like, like the replacements to show up again. The ones that Robert Patrick ones, and yeah, Abbott yeah, Gish yeah, yeah. from the last season. What did happen to those people? Just kinda... Nobody liked them, so they just disappeared. <laughs> just disappeared. From the series, yeah. Uh, and a series that I I have been waiting for for about fifteen years. I thought it was going to be a movie, and it's turning out into a TNT uh, series called The Alienist. Did you read The Alienist by Caleb Carr? No, I did not. So it is about one of the first practitioners of psychology, of psychiatry, so a student of Freud's, who is solving, uh, catching a serial killer. So it's basically if Freud were Sherlock Holmes, he would be the alienist in the 19th century Vienna. And so the guy that played um, Zemo in Avengers Age of Ultron is the psychologist. And back to Beauty and the Beast, uh, Luke... Evans, is that right? Uh, the that was Gaston in Beauty and the Beast is his Watson, and so I loved the book, the novel years ago, and it got snapped up for a movie adaptation. I was like, I can hardly wait, and I waited, I waited, and now it's coming to TNT, so it's going to be uh, in in January. I wanted one last again, too late for gifts, but this is because a company reached out to me. I'm going to do a toy review. This is interesting. I saw, you know, Paul was handling these. Uh, I don't think they have Star Wars yet. But this is not all they have because I saw them in Walmart. But this toy company reached out to me like four months ago and said, you know, are you interested? And I went, yeah, send me a sample because it sounds like a good idea. They're little cast iron figures and they're called nano metal figs. And they're fixed figures, they're not articulated. Yes, they're just little figures on a, on a wide, and base. they are on bases. And they're really, it, it reminds me of those ideal play sets from the 60s, yep, like the Batcave thing, yep. yep, but it's in a plastic, it's metal. So if, you're, if your little one hucks this across the room, <laughs> it can hurt his older sister. I'm not naming names, but since we both have a Luke, uh, you know, if I'd had this six years ago, my daughter would never have forgiven me, but. <laughs> They have playsets. I saw them at the toy, at uh, Walmart last Aquaman week. Aquaman hates you. <laughs> but what I found, yeah, so I, they sent me a set of uh, five DC figures. So I have Superman, Aquaman, Supergirl, 
Fat Man and is that Lex Luthor? It is Lex Luthor. It's Lex Luthor in the green. And then I got suit. a Pixar set. So, uh, which is cool. There's a couple of Pixar sets. There's a couple of. There's a Disney set. It's Monsters Inc. In Mon- there? Yeah, Monsters Inc. So I got Sully and oh, Mike and Toy Story and Toy St- and, and the Incredibles. So oh, there Incredibles we go. There. Yeah. What I find fascinating about the DC one is the Batman figure. I don't know if they're selling them individually. These are in five packs. But the Batman figure is not Bruce Wayne. It's the Batman of Flashpoint. So it's Thomas Wayne, the alternate universe. One. How much so was the pack? The Red Bat. Uh, I think they're twelve bucks for a pack of. Yeah, probably five not packaged individually then. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. because I I saw them in the stores and went, huh. Yeah, I was supposed to get a set of those, and then last night the Magic Mail box <laughs> delivered a box that had those. So it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I just thought I was never going to get them. But if I like this is great for collectors being tiny and can just be on your shelf and or on your desk. It works. doesn't catch as much dust as the other no, stuff. No, yeah. no, and you can just you know back you or take a magnet and run it across. <laughs> but they're actually pretty good likenesses for the size. You know, they're yeah. tiny little things. So, so nano metal figs. Check them out. I know I've seen them. At, and they're going to have uh, play sets for them. They do have play sets. There's okay. a Bat Cave, uh, or maybe it's a Justice League Watchtower. I saw one of those. I don't know what the Pixar one is, but uh, but the thing, I, I did see those in the store. So cool. You know, they're at Walmart. They're at Target. Check them out. Maybe you know you can't buy them through Fanboy Planet in time for Christmas, but maybe your local toy store does have this. When are you going to edit this out? There's a lot of of your own. <laughs> what? <laughs> All the swearing of yourself that you have to. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, supposed to make our guys feel better. Anyway. So, anyway, I don't know when this is up, but again, the Feast of Kings, the Epiphany, uh, the, the January 6th will be a perfect time uh, to uh, get this. And if you do not celebrate what my family colloquially called Little Christmas, it's time to start. I, I unfortunately met, referenced it once to my son, and he still counts on it. What do you, so, what do you actually what, what do you do on Little Christmas? Because I've never heard of it before. We eat roast porg. Okay. And and we uh, and and you give you give fewer gifts like one or two one or two gifts. gifts. I don't know that everybody did that. Just what my family did, and yeah. I don't know. No special. My meal? parents didn't do it. It was just my aunt and uncle did it, and so I would occasionally be there, and they'd say, you know, here are socks. No, they were not that bad. They would have like a book for, that they knew I wanted or something. You know. Okay. Go ahead, Derek. Celebrate. I know. I I did not realize it was much much older that I realized it was the twelfth day. Of Christmas, I'm just and, I'm just sorry that we won't be able to time the 500th episode to be on Little Christmas. So. No, we don't have time for that because yeah. I'm going to be. In, yeah, it's it's going to be. I might be February in probably. I might actually be in Disneyland on Little on, on the Feast of Kings, which it's, California Adventure does. Twelve be, days after Christmas is that it's what you're saying? Days, because it took twelve days for the three kings to journey, and that's what the song is. See, I thought twelve days started on the thirteenth. It was a 12 days no. of Christmas leading up to the 25th. No, because it took from the star, it takes 12 days. Oh, here's you know, biblical history. It took 12 days for the kings no, to I see. No, I grandma know. You moved, know. My grandma moved them. Well, I didn't know it was 12 days, but she moved the wise guys throughout the living room. <laughs> I love that you called them the wise guys. Every day. She hated it. We all, oh, she was made her mad. <laughs> but she moved them throughout. So this is every year it was like the kids yeah. messing with them. Don't mess with them. She moved them across. But I just didn't, I guess I never realized it was 12 days well, later. Because, okay, so the star... <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing the continuity here, right? The star appeared the night Jesus was born. They saw the star, and they had to journey. So it was the 12 days. And then the song, at some point, they must have, it must have been a bigger thing culturally 
that because they there obviously is a song, the twelve days of Christmas, and that you would give gifts each day until until the feast of the Epiphany. Sounds like a crossover with Hanukkah. That's eight days. Well, yeah, but and that's just about so that's just that's a not, number. I'm sorry, that's not just about anything. It's a it's a bona fide uh, miracle as well. Yes, but still, all right. Uh, we'll have a separate religious controversy <laughs> podcast. Can we talk about Passover now? Can we talk about how religion crosses over with Jedi? No, I'm just <laughs> That's a whole other thing. No, I don't want to get there. I, I used for years, for years, I used to put a small handmade figure of Bart Simpson into our manger scene. He'd be back there behind it. Did you see the and video? And we'd see how many days it would go before my wife would <laughs> did, notice did him back there. Did you see the he, Facebook video I posted? My son, uh, we had the Death Star tree topper. Yes. And I don't think the video was clear. that We didn't realize. We just were like going to a corner to show it. Yes. And Luke realized there was our nativity set, little tiny brass figures of the nativity. Underneath the Death so Star. So he put the Death Star up and he's playing it. You know, it plays music. It's great. And he, and he, he first grabbed Joseph and went, that's no star. <laughs> so I've good. raised my child right. And then, he was really, and then he was really nervous. He's like, no, don't put that on video. No, no, no. I don't want to be sacrilegious. And now I've embarrassed him. Luckily, he doesn't listen to the podcast. But you do. Thanks for listening this far. And thanks very much to our special guests and our hosts tonight. Yes. Say, good, say goodnight, Paul and Maria. Thank you so much. <laughs> Good night, you guys. And if you have any <laughs> questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com, and we will answer you in the new year. Till next time, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your powers, powers for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. It is. Yes. It's a podcast. And, well, it's a podcast. Yeah. Just about tonight about Star Wars is very much featuring. Uh, I, I uh, can't really contribute. I mean, Harrison Ford's the love of my life, but besides that. <laughs> he's the love of all of our lives. Um, uh, that's all right. No, you, we talk pop culture stuff, geek wait, stuff. What's your podcast name? The Fanboy Planet Podcast. Is you it can, on iTunes? Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is. And you can find it on. Part of your, can I be part of your podcast? Do you, oh, sure. do you have like a, um, a topic I could contribute to? Yeah. Are you, you into can, comics? No. And we already talked Star Wars. Star Trek? I get, you, no. I mean, I, I'm not like a fan, like a Trekkie. No. no. My dad is. What do you want to write about? But I could like talk about a lot. Like I'm a millennial. I could talk about anything like that. Are we going to talk about Millennium? No, like, Millennium was, that was a great show. That was a great show. Yeah. yeah. We can bring your dad in. No, I'm kidding. You can come in. Anybody who can come yeah, in can ask questions. Well, you said, no. Write no. something and contact editor at fanboyplanet.com. All right. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. I love podcasts. All right. Check it out. Yeah, 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 Paul brought it up for us. That, See, that's, that's, the logo. that's what it looks like right there. Right. Fanboy Planet. Good stuff. Fan, right. You can find it at fanboyplanet.com. All of you.
Thank you for supporting Seven Stars Bar and Grill. Bye. Bye-bye. Our favorite place to hang out.